0: I want to tell you about my new friend. Some of you know that I have a uh, mobile cabin on wheels that I drive to Myrtle Beach every once in a while. been to Florida once. But I have big plans for that thing. And ever since we got it about three years ago, I've been looking for a tow dolly. How many of you know what a tow dolly is? Okay, so a tow dolly is what you put onto the back of it on the trailer hitch so you can tow a car. And the car then becomes called your (laughs) toad. They they spell it T-O-A-D, but it just means the car that you tow. And and these things have a price on them that's kind of up there. And um, if you know me well enough, you know that I'm not one to pay too much for anything, and I look for a deal. So for three years, I have been looking for a tow dolly. And the right price, the right ones never shown up. And this past week, on Monday, two of them showed up. And they looked to be at the right price. And one, can you believe it, was in Massillon, Ohio. And the other was in Wheeling, West Virginia. And so I looked at them both, and I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm this, that, and the other. And I called the one in Maslow and talked to the guy. And he told me about it. Only used three times. Went to Arkansas three times with it and back. Brand new condition. Everything I'd want. And then I looked at the one in Wheeling. And it was brand new. They only used it for about the same amount of mileage. It was stored. And they were both basically the same money. In fact, the one in Wheeling... May have been a, a a little bit, tiny bit more. So it was easy enough for me, you know. I knew that I could go to Maslin, but something was telling me, go see that other one. You ever have a prompting like that in you that you just it's a feeling, it's where your stomach, maybe it's the Holy Spirit, but something was telling me go to wheeling. So the week went by. I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering what I'm gonna do. So I contact this lady in Wheeling who has it, and I'm messaging her, you know, blah, 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 what is it, where is it, how is it, blah, 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 blah. And she's responding back pretty simple messages. I gave her my telephone number thinking, because it'd be easier just to talk on the phone. She didn't give me hers back. And also, if you know something about me, you know that I'm suspicious of everything. And suddenly the fact that she was not going to communicate to me by phone told me, "Uh uh-oh, there's something going on down there in Wheeling, you know. This is something else. But I still kept feeling drawn to Wheeling, right? Could I have the address where I want to go to look at it? She messaged it back to me. You know me. I get on Google and I punch in the address. There are a few houses around this address but that address is a big industrial building. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 a, it's a big warehouse, you know. I, I had visions of, you know, the Ukrainian mafia waiting on me because I'm, you know, going to die a death that you'd never forget. And so I'm real suspicious about what's going to happen, you know, but I'm still drawn to Wheeling. Long story short, on my day off Friday, I said I'm going to Wheeling to look at a tow dolly. My wife said to me, you don't make any sense. <laughs> there's, there's one in mass and you're going to drive. It's two hours. I get in the car and I'm driving to Wheeling. I, lay, I even left the dog at home. Um, get down there. Get on Route 250 on the other side of the river. Cut off at the little exit ramp. Pull down into the neighborhood. I... <laughs> I'm so paranoid. I turned the recorder on on my phone so that if I did get killed, there'd at least be a record of it. (laughs) Turning up these roads down, you pull up to to the address and there stands two men and a woman. Rolled my window down. One of the guys said, you from Canton? I said, yeah. He said, well, you want to pull in here? And I Turned around, everything, got out of my car, and I, come on in. That place looked dark. All <laughs> oh, this isn't going to be good, you know, and I'm walking in, and we go in, and shoved way back in a corner is the item that I came to see. The lady starts talking. The man takes over the conversation. They get done telling me what they want to tell me about this toe dolly. Do you have any questions? I said, yeah, why are you selling it? The lady speaks up and she says, well, a health problem came into our life. Okay. He's telling me how it tows. He's telling me all the things about how to put the pin in and lift it up and run the car on and all this stuff. You have any questions? And I said, yeah. I said, what's your health condition? And the lady speaks up and she says, Well, it's me. And she told me what it was. And I'm I'm not going to get real descriptive with you here because I haven't asked her permission to tell you the story. She's got a real tough road ahead of her. She's got a road that's that's really usually does not end well. And I looked at her and I said, Let's pray. And I grabbed her hand. And I grabbed her husband's hand, and the guy that runs the storage facility is looking at me like I'm the oddest man on the face of planet Earth. And, you know, we just prayed a prayer like you'd never forget. I don't even know where it came from. I Put their hands down, and she said, <laughs> this is meant to be. She said, I knew there was something about this. She said, you're supposed to be here. Well, okay, let's talk about the dolly now. We talked about it. We we're talking a little bit. And where were you at when, when you found out? Well, she said, just outside of Houston is where we got stopped. We had traveled from, and she told me where they started from in Florida. I said, that's where my brother lives. Oh, she said, that's interesting. A- and where did you stop? And she told me the name of the town just outside of Houston. And, and I said, well, that's where my other brother used to live. And then we talked about it a little bit further, and I said, well, where were you going to? She said, I'm going to Georgetown, Texas. That's where my son Jacob lives. And I said, this is really strange. I said, you left from where a brother is, you're going to where a brother was, and you're going to the same place where my son lives now. She said, I know. She said, I, uh, we're, we're so happy that you are a believer. And she said, I just knew there was something about this. And this is meant to be Now, every time she said this is meant to be typical joel would have said uh ah, she's trying to put me into buying this thing when i haven't said i'm gonna buy it yet right because i don't trust anybody long story short is i brought that thing home and i sent her an email back and this morning i found an email from her and we were both in agreement I don't think my prayer is any any better than yours. I don't think I have anything different. But for some reason, God wanted her and I to meet. I'm still not sure what that's about. But I didn't go to Maslin, Ohio. I went to Wheeling. I was a kid growing up. It was called, I won't tell you what it was called. (laughs) Wake up, Joel, where are you? Uh, But God brought us together. Jesus in the scripture this morning sits down on a well outside of Sychar in Samaria, a place where most Jews would never go, and his disciples go in there. Now, real quick, let's walk through this. I want you to walk through it with me very quickly. Because in, in John chapter 4, one of the pat- verses that I didn't read to you was was the fourth verse in this chapter. And it's up on the screen right now, and I want you to see what it says. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to pass through. It it doesn't say Jesus chose that route. It says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. You keep that in the back of your head. His disciples came back. I've already told you what that's about. They went to get food. Jesus sitting out at the well. And they marveled when they came back because he is talking to a woman. You weren't supposed to do that. No one asked him the question, though. What are you seeking or why are you talking with her? They just recognized the fact that he was talking with this woman. And according to custom, you're not supposed to do that. And worse than that, she's a Samaritan woman. You absolutely aren't supposed to do that. And the woman gets up, and I want you to note in this verse what she did. She left her water jar there. Did you ever catch that? She gets up, she leaves her water jar, and she goes into town and she says to everybody she meets, you got to come and see this man that told me everything that I ever did. Now just for the record, if you are the lady in this town who has had five husbands and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband and you've got that reputation, you don't need anyone to tell you what you've done. Everybody already knows. But Jesus shouldn't have known come see this man out at the well. He's told me everything. And I just get the impression that he might just possibly be the one that we're looking for. Could it be that he's the Messiah? And they went out of the town, and they were coming to him. You know, if you were looking to learn about God, I doubt that you would have gone to this woman to learn about God I mean if you wanted to learn how to sin she might have been the expert but you would not have gone to her to learn about theological education but the people are coming out there was there was something about what she said that was convincing but they wanted to see for themselves meanwhile the disciples are talking to Jesus here's the people coming out of the town Meanwhile, what's going on while they're coming out of the town? The disciples are talking to Jesus. And what are they saying to Jesus? Jesus, we've been traveling all day. You need to eat. And Jesus says, I got food to eat you don't know about. And they begin to talk to each other. Well, did somebody bring him something? Did, did someone feed him something that we didn't see? How could it be? And, and the disciples, I want you to stop and recognize that they have no concern aside from Jesus' physical welfare. You need to eat. You've said that to your kids, your mother, people that are, you've said that to people. You really need to eat. That's what they're saying to him. You've been walking all day. You've been exhausted from the journey. Jesus isn't even biting. He's, he's I got food to eat you don't even know any about, anything about. I got to do what God sent me here to do. That That will satisfy me better than anything you could give me. And I just want to remind you for a minute about that first verse 4 that I read to you before we started today. Jesus had to go. Are you with me? I mean, I suspect Jesus said to himself, well, I could get water over there in Maslin. But Jesus had to go to Sychar. Then he says to his disciples this. Don't you say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Lift up your eyes, look at the fields, they're already ready to harvest. Now when you hear what Jesus said, there are four months and then comes the harvest, that was probably a common saying, because you planted and four months down the line, harvest was coming. Once you've sowed the grain, all you got to do is wait, eventually it's going to be ready to go pick but jesus is saying something different here there's a harvest that's coming across the field right now and if you would lift up your eyes and look you would see that all of the samaritans are leaving the town and they're walking through the field disciples lift up your eyes and look at those fields you see those people that are coming this way Those are the fields that are white unto harvest. And I want you to to note this, disciples. He didn't say this, but I want you to note it here listening today. These people, some of them were walking, but I'll bet you anything, some of them were in a slow little jaunt, you know. They were wanting to see what this lady was talking about, and they're running through those fields. And I want to, to, to also see that, These people that are coming through the fields are the people that the Jews considered as alien. They're set apart, not like God is holy. (laughs) They're the outcasts, the no goods, the downtrodden. And they're walking across the field right now. Everybody that we've always rejected, here they come across the field. Jesus says, Do you see that harvest right there? It's coming. It's walking towards us. And look at what Jesus says next. In case they weren't really able to get it, already the one who reaps is receiving his wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. Jesus says, You don't have to wait four months. God's put the, the the field right in front of it. He's put the the fruit right there, and your pay is here already. You you can gather the fruit, and you can be paid for your work, and you can reap the biggest payment of all. And the sower, the person that throws the seed, they're going to rejoice with the reaper. It, it, it's time. It's it's not time to say, "Well, four months and then we'll do it." No, it's right now. The seed has been sown for centuries by the prophets. The seed has been sown just a a little while back by John the Baptist. The seed has been sown for the time that I've been in ministry. But understand, it's time to harvest now because look at that field. It's ripe. It's ready to be harvested. And Many Samaritans from that town came and believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Quote, He told me everything that I ever did. So when they came to him, they asked him, could you stay here for for a little while longer? And it says he stayed two more days. And it says many more believe because of what he said. And then they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This woman's simple witness. Come see this man who told me everything I ever did. You you think he might just be the Messiah? Her simple witness opened the door for the people of that village. If he could penetrate the heart of somebody like her and give give something to her that would change her in such a way that she would be willing to go back and talk to the people who probably despised her more than anyone else and tell them there's something going on on the other side of that field that you need to come look at. But that was just an introduction. Remember what they said? They said, we've got to go see for ourselves. So they start across that field and... and th- that's the thing hear what those hear what those people from the village said we no longer believe just because of what you said we believe now because we've heard and seen for ourselves it's a you know missouri is the show me state right some people just need to have that extra push that after extra effort they heard from her but now they've gone across the field. And I want you to, to see something that they said in that 42nd verse, verse. It's no longer because of what you said. It's now because of what we've seen and what we've heard, our experience of what this man's about. I want you to see that their, their faith was begun or built upon this woman's witness, but their faith grew and matured by virtue of their own experience with the person she was talking about. Can you imagine for a minute, the other day, I got a text from Diana. Uh, she had actually called me, and my phone these days, <laughs> I've reached the point where they shouldn't give me technology is what it's about. <laughs> it, it, yesterday, my friend Ed called me four times. I didn't see it till this morning. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Don't try to fix it for me. I'll be okay. But she called me, and I didn't pick up, so she texted me, and she said, could you call me when you get a chance? And I called, and she said, we got enough help that we can expand. We're going to add people. And she was all excited because we were going to be able to meet the need in Canton and in Stark County for this night to shine. She was, you could just hear it in her voice. She was excited, and I was excited too. Can you imagine Jesus when he looks at that field and here comes the whole village walking across, running across out to where he is can you imagine his excitement about the fact that they were coming coming to see, coming to hear can you imagine the excitement he had about this woman who just an hour before was caught up in the throes of a life of immorality where she had not only Uh, No past to go back to. She had no future to look forward to. Her life was over because of her sin. She had nothing to hope for. And here she is, suddenly transformed and changed enough that she goes into the town and rustles up this crowd of Samaritans. I thought about this passage, and you've heard me say before, and if you haven't heard me say it, you've read it. Jesus said these words. Jesus said, a prophet is without honor in his own country. Now, if you don't know what that means, what it means is I'm from East Liverpool, see? I am in Canton, Ohio, and you don't know my background, and I can preach to you, and hopefully God uses it and works his Holy Spirit through it, and it has some effect and some good for us together. But I want to tell you, if I go back home, they say to me what they said to Jesus. what they say to Jesus? Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that the kid that ran around here in diapers with his nose running? And I go back home, you know what they say? Isn't that the guy who... No, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but they would. This woman is a prophet to her own country. And when she was back in her own country, just back over that field in that village, she was seen as the worst of the worst. Are you with me? She was seen as a woman with a past that you wouldn't believe and she had no way to garner respect from her very own people, let alone anyone else. And who is it that God chooses to bring the gospel to them? It's her. And what we really ought to think hard about is this. Where do you think the very followers of Jesus were getting their food? The people who had it all together. The disciples who knew what they were supposed to be about. The ones who showed up at 10.30 on Sunday morning with the suit and the tie and sat down and acted as if they knew what they were doing... They're the ones over there getting food, and nobody opened their mouth. Are you with me? And here's this woman who's got a past and no future before her, who's an outcast to them, an outcast to the disciples, an outcast to the world, and she's the one that shows up. And she's the vessel God chooses to convince them that the Messiah is here. my kids were little and I'm close to the end church maybe I am maybe I'm not when my kids were little Janice came up with this plan that she would teach them how to work this way and I've probably shared this before but I am going to share it again they were little and by little I mean they were like at most 10 my kids are all f- about four years we got all four of them in, in four years think about that You want to know how you get this way? Do that. (laughs) They were about 10, 8, 7, 6, 10, 9, 8, 6. I don't know what they were, but really relatively young kids. When we lived in Bolivar, there was a strawberry field down there. I won't name the people that kept it. If you're around here any length of time, you may know that name. But they had strawberry fields down there. And what Janice would do is, as soon as the strawberries came out, and the signs went up in town that there were strawberries to be picked, she would take my kids out to the strawberry fields, and they would pick about a hundred quarts of strawberries. Did you hear me? A hundred quarts of strawberries. And she would make them take their allowance money to pay for the strawberries. What evil parents, right? And then they put them in the back of the van and they'd drive around town, they'd go to the VFW, they'd go to the American Legion, they'd see people on the street, and the kids had to hand them out. I I, I didn't say to you, sell them. They had to hand them out and give them to people. I can still remember my son, Jake. I can hear it in my ears. This is so stupid. (laughs) This is so stupid. That's my money. This is so dumb. They'd pass them out. The next week, they'd go back out. They'd pick another 100, maybe 150 quarts of strawberries. They'd come into town, and on the corner, they'd open the back of that van up and in about an hour and a half. People in that town would call each other. Hey, the kids got their strawberries down there on the corner. And all at once, they started piling up money. And Jake's like, "Huh." <laughs> I did that. (laughs) This is good. And they do that every year. They did that for about six or seven years. And they, I'm not kidding you, you'd be shocked. The the fields in Bolivar, what they do with the kids, you know what they do when when they first went there? They'd see four kids. You think about it. Four little kids coming. You know what they do? Everybody's picking over here in this fresh field. They'd say, you can have that field there to yourself. Do you know what that field was? That was the field that was already picked over. And those kids would be out there scrounging around, and the berries they did get were the bad ones, you know, and there was weeds and all that stuff. And eventually, the missus, my missus, found a field in Dover, and she went down there. And the people that ran that field said, ha, look at these kids. They're buying 100 quarts. They're buying 150 quarts. And they clean the fields out real good. They'd give them the best fields first. They wouldn't stick them out in the field that was picked over. They'd give them the best fields that you go pick. People loved it. They did that for five or six years. I don't know. But what's my point? You know, oftentimes churches get to the place where we look at the field. We think, man, this is picked over. There's nothing here worth getting. The weeds are growing up. Oh, sure, years ago it was good. Yeah, years ago it was just how it ought to be. You know, years ago when we all looked the same and smelled the same and acted the same and were the same, when we lived here, yeah, sure, it was a great neighborhood. But now? Oh, we can't do that with those people, right? Right? I mean, we got to do what we're here for. We got to clean our stained glass windows and polish up the brass. And we get real bothered about the idea that anyone might come up with that anyone different than us is ready for the harvest. And those disciples that day were just like that. I guess we're going to have to go into Samaria to get something to eat. We're going to have to leave Jesus here, and when we come back, probably have to explain to him what that woman's all about. He must not see it. He must be so dense he doesn't grasp the fact that she's got a past, and the whole time Jesus is saying, the harvest, it's ready. Don't pray that God will send somebody into the harvest. You get going, get into that harvest. And you pick whatever you can pick because if you would open your eyes up, you would see that this field is ripe unto harvest already. And that fruit's been growing so long, and the seeds have been planted so long, and we've been fertilizing it so long, you've got to recognize that God wants to do something in this field. But Jesus, she's got a past. Jesus, do you know who they are? They don't have any money. They smell different. They look different. And you you know, church, if I'm being a little bit offensive to you today, good. Because that's how churches get. I've been doing this for 38, 30, I don't know how many years now, since 85, whatever that is. That's how churches get. We think this is about us. Jesus says, lift your head up, open your eyes, and look at the field. That lady I talked to went and told them what this is about. The lady that you wouldn't have given the time of day, she went to them and told them, and here they come, and you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to do finally what I told you to do, or are you going to go ahead and have it your way like Burger King and lock that door and close those windows and duck down under your church pew like nobody's home? You know, oftentimes churches like that wind up closing up. I got news for you, and I'll bring this to an end. Jesus died for every single person that's ever lived. He loves every single person that's ever lived. We sing it, teach it to our kids. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But sometimes I wonder if we believe it. Jesus meant it. And he meant for us to believe it. Now let me just tell you before we get out of here, if you don't know that love, I, I didn't ask you if you were a church member. If you don't know that love, you can know it. Because that's what this is about. Jesus died on a cross so you'd know that he loves you. But once you've accepted him and you've received his forgiveness, he gives you a mission. And that mission, we we could quote Matthew 28, you know, Go and baptize them, reminding them of everything I ever told you. But I think today's scripture is a little bit better. Look at the fields. If you'll really open your eyes, they're white to harvest. I have those, uh, I've told you about them before, I have those hydroponic tomato plants at my house. No, I'm not growing marijuana. I've got my tomato plants out there, and it's a thing between me and my granddaughter, Emma. And it'll take a good while before you get tomatoes on there, but when they start coming on, they really come on. And recently, they were coming on, and I leave them for her to pick. And some time went between the time that they were coming on and when she could get there to pick them. So her and I went up, and and there was a lot of them. And, And while we're picking them, some of them had been on the vine too long. They were mushy. She'd say, Grandpa, this one's no good, and she'd throw it in the trash. She'd put some more in there and say, Grandpa, this one's no good, and she'd throw it, throw it in the trash. She'd keep picking the good ones. Grandpa, this one's mushy, and she'd throw it in the trash. And the problem is when we get ahead of ourselves and we're throwing them into the trash before we even see if they ripen. You know what we often do, we miss the harvests that's sitting right in front of our eyeballs so today's bottom line for your church is this don't pray for a harvest until you see the one that's right under your nose don't pray for a harvest until you see the one that's right under your nose Hey, Joel you're telling us not to pray that's not what I said I said don't pray for a harvest until you're ready to deal with the one that God's already given you because what did Jesus say lift up your heads look on the fields they're already ripe to harvest it's time to harvest that because we can rejoice with the sower we can have a party together we can enjoy the benefits of growing this field because God has not only sowed it he's grown it and we can do what he's called us to do and why he has us here if we just look and see it. you know why a lot of churches won't do that They'll tell you that they've tried it before. They'll tell you that uh, they did it and it didn't work out. They'll tell you that, well, we just got to build the building, and after we build the building, we've got to decide the carpet color, and after we decide the carpet color, we've got to turn the drape color, and after we determine the drape colors, we've got to determine which stained glass window is going to go where, and after we've done that, we've got to determine who's going to do this and who's going to do that, and then we'll fight about it for a while. We get all caught up in that stuff, and the whole time, Jesus is just sitting there saying, you didn't even need a building. You just look on the fields, it's ready to go. Church. Pray for what's in the harvest. But go deal with what God's placed before you. And you'll be shocked at what God will do. Amen. We're going to sing. How great is our God. Do you believe that? I believe it. If you're willing and able, you're welcome to stand with me as we sing this morning.